Hello, this is Drink the Music. A podcast where each week we listen to an album, make a cocktail, and have a chat about it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the music. Well, hello and welcome to volume 15 of Drink the Music. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. And Michaela, today we are going back to an album that won like a like a second chance poll. And we were kind of saving it for a monumental occasion. And this week is monumental in the fact that this is going to be probably our last like volumed Drink the Music episode, uh, which is which is sad and bittersweet. We're excited to get back to movies, uh, but we're still going to be talking about uh, music going forward. But we wanted to save, you know, kind of this album that has resonated uh, with people here over the last couple couple of decades as being this work of genius and we're not talking about you know surf and safari that's a pretty good one we're not talking about little deuce coop that's pretty good too today we're talking about beach boys 1966 album pet sounds pet sounds indeed uh so uh, this album um when you had said, hey, we should we should do this and we'd put it on the poll. And uh, I was amazed because I had never heard this album in its entirety. And I'll be the first to admit it. And I was like, wait a minute. Um, I know the Beach Boys. I mean, obviously. And I, I was like, but this this is routinely on like the top 100, top 50, top 10 albums of like all time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how did I how do I not know this album? And then I thought, well, this is going to be one of those albums that's going to have you know, 18 songs and 17 of them will have been on the radio, like some of the other, you know, greatest, quote unquote, greatest albums of all time. Right. And mm-hmm. that's not the case either. <laughs> and so I was so excited when uh, we had the opportunity to kind of round out the end of our kind of uh, dedicated drink the music volume um, encyclopedia with pet sounds, because I really wanted to get into learning more about it and learning more about why it has resonated with so many people for the past almost 60 years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we are because we put it up for a vote initially against uh, the Beatles love album, um, the, uh, the Beatles love or soundtrack, I guess, and the soundtrack won. Um, but it's interesting, uh, you know, to kind of compare the two because they definitely were piggybacking off of each other. They had a very kind of uh, friendly, you know, rivalry and competition about, you know, who is going to uh, to be uh, tops here in terms of, you know, pushing the music boundaries. And Pet Sounds definitely does that. But before we get into that, who are the Beach Boys when the Pet Sounds comes out? Uh, so the Beach Boys were formed in California in 1961. You have Brian, Dennis and Carl Wilson plus Mike Love and Al Jardine. So in 1958, Michaela, a 16-year-old Brian Wilson uh, gets really into music, like really into music, um, and basically forms kind of like this makeshift family band, recording parts and telling people what to sing and uh, stuff like that, you know, with his brothers there, Dennis and Carl, uh, before bringing in their cousin, Mike Love. Uh, Al Jardine, a friend from their school, would join up the band as well, and they formed the Pendletones uh, there about that time. Now, in 1961, they recorded a little song. You might have heard of it. It's called Surf and Safari. Uh, That's a pretty good song. Uh, Everyone out there is probably familiar with that, and that was recorded, and the band signed with Candix Records. Uh, Candix Records kind of went, you know, behind the scenes and changed the band's name from the Pendletones to the Beach Boys. Now, they wanted to name the band The Surfers, but that name was already taken. And thank God, because Surfers, that's a terrible name for a band. That's like the lamest <laughs> band name of all time. Uh, I couldn't imagine the Beach Boys being called anything other than the Beach Boys. So uh, so that was a good name change, I guess, even if it's done kind of behind your back. Uh, so the first album, Surf and Safari, that was released in 1962. Uh, now, in 1963, Surf in USA 
Surfer Girl, and Little Deuce Coop. All three of those albums were released in 1963. Uh, the Beach Boys were a busy group of young lads, for sure. Um, and so on and so forth. Until 1966, the 11th, yes, the 11th uh, album for the Beach Boys. So that's like 10 albums in like four years. Um Pet Sounds released in uh, 1966, and uh, at that point, they had also brought in Bruce Johnston, uh, who came in and joined the band in 1965. So so that was a lot of singing about surfing. And you know what, Michaela? Pet Sounds, not very many songs about surfing. Uh, zero songs, no. if I recall. Zero songs about surfing. And I remember, because uh, I've done a lot of research on this, because I listened to it the first time and was like, I don't understand what the big deal is. I know I, we can talk about my inability to recognize greatness when I hear it um, all, all day. We can talk about that. But the first time I listened to this whole album, I was like, I don't really get it. Um, okay. Uh, but I, I, I saw uh, in my research that uh, also the, the people that were listening to it in 1966 were kind of the same way because this was very different than what they would call surfer music. Although I, I think that the harmonies um, still, I mean, they're still there and still relevant, but this act absolutely was kind of a, a breakthrough album. It was a change in direction for them. Um, you're not talking about surfing. You're not talking about babes. You're not talking about um, any of those kind of uh, one trick pony uh, extravaganzas that they had done that they had been so good at that had made them uh, these ginormous superstars with these 10 previous albums. This was very different. Um, it has like the psychedelic uh, aspect mm -hmm. to it. It's, it's very, um, and, and we're going to talk about all those things, but this was a definitely something that kissed goodbye their beach their beach music era and moved into something totally different. And it wasn't as, um, it wasn't as uh, well received as, it, you know, they, they were hoping. Um, but then mm -hmm. it, it still has made its way into these greatest album of all time lists, which I find really cool. That's right. Yeah. And we're going to definitely dig into all that here as we make our way uh, through the album and talk about it a little bit. But before we do that, Michaela, what we need is we need a really good cocktail or mocktail uh, this week. So that way, whether you are going out to California to do some surfing in your little deuce coop or you're going to be uh, sitting at home uh, pondering pondering life and the, the things that got you to this uh, artistic point, just like Brian Wilson did. Uh, so let's do that. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to whip up this week's drink. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So Brian, I'm really excited about this particular cocktail because mm -hmm, it is mm -hmm. truly uh, a mocktail cocktail experience, which, you know, I really love that. Um, I have a young son at home. He's really getting into the Beatles. And this week he was all about the Beach Boys when I was listening to this for like a hundred times. Uh, and so he was like, mom, can I be part of the cocktail experience today? And I was so glad to be able to say yes, because this is actually really fun. It's a fun drink. It comes from To Simply Inspire. And the, the way um, this Beach Boy Punch is put together, 
it is a mocktail and then uh you can add some liquor of your choice brian i know you've got some great ideas uh to brighten mm-hmm. this up or mm-hmm. or darken this up however you want to however you want to say it um but it's really good and uh and this um is definitely something if you're gonna have like a beach boy party uh in the fall at christmas time i think like a luau-esque kind of kind of extravaganza this you you definitely make in bulk and uh and serve to all your people so that that's a good idea i like this idea that's true that's true yeah this is going to be good for your uh your beach boys themed uh uh party here uh going on for sure and i really like um i'm gonna link to the article of course just like i always do but if you read through the article um which is a lot of reading to get to the to the recipe which a lot of these are but it's it's actually kind of fun because i think uh the curator here of to simply inspire i think it was like her grandmother's recipe that she had um in a book and then it was called like the beach boys punch so i just imagine like grandma like bopping along to you know surfer girl uh whipping up this punch like back in her day like that sounds pretty good to me um so what you're going to do basically is into a big punch bowl uh you're going to go with one quart of cranberry juice a pint of orange juice two quarts of ginger ale and the juice from two lemons. Now you can certainly just take those in parts and pair that down if you just wanted to try like a cocktail or two or make like a smaller batch of this. Um, so this is going to be definitely, definitely party size there because uh, that's that's what that's like a like almost a full gallon of liquid right there. So i uh, going to do that, mix that up, you know, add some ice and then, you know, serve and enjoy. And it's going to be, you know, pretty, pretty kind of straightforward, like party punch that you might find at like a like a high school dance or like a wedding reception or, or something like that. Right. That's that's kind of what the the vibe is for this but it is a little bit sweet Michaela which is probably why your kid liked it maybe (laughs) oh yeah oh he loved it he was like this is the best this is the best cocktail you've ever made mommy (laughs) I was like well that's great um where is the vodka or the gin because that's (laughs) definitely what I needed um uh to get to get through that uh we did not make a gallon of it so um I did like uh equal parts um orange juice and uh ginger ale and I did a, like a splash, what would be like, I don't know, one ounce per glass of the cranberry juice. Um, mm-hmm. If you wanted a little bit more tart, you could do that. But I, I just kind of eyeballed it to make the the single drink. And then, of course, the juice of um, I did maybe like half an ounce of, le- of fresh lemon juice. Um, okay. So that's what I did to make mine. Um, yeah. If you don't so- want to make an entire gallon. But I mean, at this point, guys, I, girls, people of all, I'd make a gallon. Just do it. Just, just, just lean it. right on into just- that. <laughs> Just just make a gallon. You can put it in the fridge, and that's going to keep for for quite a while. So, Michaela, we need to we need to uh, doctor this up a little bit. It's a little bit sweet, and you know we're drink the drink the movies here, drink the music. We like to have a nice cocktail. So go ahead and mix this up. But then what you're going to do for your own, Michaela? Um, and normally, you know, you'd see people jazzing stuff up with you know some vodka, maybe or like rum. A rum would be probably pretty good in this. That would be very Beach Boysy uh, kind of feel. But I think that the perfect uh, accompaniment here to this is either going to be um, I don't know, like three quarters of an ounce give or take of either some Aperol or some Campari because uh, it's going to be uh, bitter it's going to pair up so beautifully with that orange juice um, it's going to give it just this little bit of an edge that's going to cut through that sweetness um, and I think that sounds like the bee's knees that does sound it sounds like the beach boy's knees so. <laughs> right, that's, sure. it sounds less good now it sounds less good you ruined it but that's okay uh, no. so definitely so try that out I think it sounds good <laughs> No, that does sound really good, actually. I am not surprised because I know you love uh, Campari and, um, oh my God, Aperol. Yes, those are your, those are some of your favorite spirits to add to things. Uh, I 
Didn't even think about that. Um, I think that's inspired. I now have to, uh, and just full disclosure, everybody, we did not make this cocktail together. Um, This is one we did not do together. So uh, now after this recording, I've got to go add some Aperol or Campari. I got to see what I got. And uh, because I think that sounds delicious. And I think that that's also better representative of the music because as we are going to get into with all the songs of the Pet Sounds album, were you know the they sound very different than the than what the meaning of some of these are and mm, sort of this mm-hmm. this kind of harmonious piece but also with an edge to it um they kind of cuts through is and this is very inspired it's almost yeah. like you have your uh, a podcast or some <laughs> sort of professional um knowledge around how to create cocktails brian that's right. Yeah, we are we are doing our best here for sure. But yeah, it's it's something it's something that's delicious and it's something that you wouldn't expect, just like pet sounds. So let's uh let's do this, Michaela. Let's go ahead and mix one of these up. We can try it with uh, an added spirit or two, and we'll be right back to chat about this week's album, Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Michaela, the year is 1966. The Beach Boys have come off a string of surfing tunes, but now uh, prepare to feast your ears on Pet Sounds. Uh, Wouldn't it be nice, Michaela? You're just singing this off air. I'll let you sing it here in just a second, because this is a song about growing older together. It's a song about growing up. Uh, The Beach Boys here are in like 19 part harmony. There's I don't know. There's uh, how many Beach Boys are there? There's like six Beach Boys, but it sounds like there's like 100 Beach Boys. Uh, They're coming out uh, of the gates on fire here. Uh, Let's see. In this one, uh, this is going to be a recurring theme throughout this is like there's like thousand instruments on everything. So there's accordions, muted timpani drums, um, and then all of those voices wouldn't it be nice to live together in the kind of world where we belong um i like um in this song in particular kind of when you get like through like into that little like bridge thing the tempo drops out just a little bit and you know it kind of makes like those big like wouldn't it be nice where the timpani comes back in it just feels like so impactful when it like revs back up into full-blown glory but wouldn't it be nice that is one of the the more popular tracks off of this that you probably have heard out there if you've never listened to this album yeah, it's like one of the greatest kind of innocent love songs, I feel. It's innocent and wise, right? Um, because I I feel that when you're young, you're like, you know, and, and this song is really kind of about a young couple fantasizing about how amazing romantic life could be is as an adult. Um, and, and it's not, um, it's just so innocent and pure. This is cited and sung in a lot of romantic comedies where it's like it, it, this idealistic idea um, formulation when you're young of what it would what it's like being in love as an adult. And mm-hmm. um, but also like. As uh, just a person coming of age, wouldn't it be nice when this idealization of what it's like when you're an adult, when you really have no idea what it's like to be an adult, <laughs> um, but you're like, it'd be so cool because we could be, we could live in a world where we belong. Um, I also want to point out, this is in 1966. There was a lot um, going on in, in the world in 1966. Um, and mm-hmm. so, you know, there's probably a lot of layers to this that we won't necessarily understand because we weren't alive in that time. But 
you know, there, there's a lot of people that were looking for a world in which they felt like they belonged. Um, it's not so different than today in many ways, which is sad, but um, I think this idealistic piece and this, this beautiful, you know, harmonization of vocals just sets this up correctly um, for the ride that we're about to go on with Pet Sounds. Um, it's one of the most iconic uh, Beach Boy songs of all time. Um, mm -hmm. Probably the most iconic is coming a little bit later in this album, but I really love that they set it up this way um, because as a listener, you're, you're immediately like, brought into this blanket of warmth and honey and and just beautiful melody. I do have a question because I couldn't I couldn't find this when I was doing research on this particular song, but I feel like in the bridge there's like a xylophone. Oh, <laughs> there yeah. is, could, is there... could be. Yeah. There's a, there's you... like a thousand instruments on on yeah. this whole album for sure. Yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um yeah it's I imagine in 1966, you drop the needle on your record and wouldn't it be nice comes on and you're like, oh, yeah, some more uh, some more Beach Boys stuff that I'm that I'm uh, excited about. Right. Because it sounds like the most like classically Beach Boys of the songs yeah. um, on the album. Right. This song basically sounds like a young couple like holding hands, skipping down Rodeo Drive and like some romantic comedy. Right. That's that's what <laughs> the song sounds like. And then yeah. you get into something completely different. You still believe in me. Track number two. Uh, so this song opens with a piano, but they've uh, kind of manipulated the strings here. I guess they were playing almost like a like a hair, like a bobby pin so the the piano sounds kind of like a harpsichord but not really um it has kind of a it sounds to me like a like a renaissance like era like king's court uh kind of thing that's mm -hmm. uh, going on here and the way that it sounds um and i i love 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 the opening uh line to this song i know perfectly well i'm not where i should be uh which is uh really a, a pretty you know brazen statement from you know the beach boys right so all those uh surf songs um the song is very introspective and it acknowledges that uh yourself as being a bad romantic partner basically who keeps being forgiven and you know how do you how do you you know deal to that and come to terms with it there's like a six-part harmony um in the closing oz uh i think which sounds insanely cool um then there's like a bicycle bells and a car horn uh which is just comes in like like out of nowhere um and it, it's very kind of like like unexpected and like it's almost like jarring maybe the first time you listen to it but then you know it kind of yeah. I don't know, like it, it's weird and it kind of makes sense. And, you know, something like that is something very much exactly what you'd see like the Beatles do in Sgt. Pepper or on the White Album where there's just the, like these random like sounds that would come in, yeah. and, you know, as the, you know, Beatles and Beach Boys were kind of playing, you know, like tug of war with, you know, how progressive they could push these pop sounds, you know, kind of in this, uh, you know, era of the bands. Yeah, no, I, I definitely felt very jarred. And I, I again, um, this was the first time I listened to this album it's in its entirety for the sake of the pod. So, uh, sorry, uh, I'm late to this party, but I was very much like, what is this? I liked it. I liked the sound of it. I had, but it, it was very jarring to me from this, wouldn't it be nice if we were older? <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, you still believe in me, even though I completely messed up and I continue to mess up and I'm not where I should be. And I'm sorry, but I'm not that sorry. Cause I don't think I'm going to, um, you know, very, very strange. I was like, wait a minute. This is not the Beach Boys that we know and love. There's no surfing. There's no, there's no hold, handing, hand holding. Um, yeah. It, there's, there's just this uh, impression of this unwavering loyalty of my lover that I'm probably just going to continue to step on. That's at least what I thought the first um, couple of times I heard this. But I, I do think that the intro is really cool. And apparently, um, 
they like plucked this stuff with a bobby pin. They plucked the piano mm-hmm. with a bobby pin. I don't even know how that would work. So now I have to go find a piano and a bobby pin and like try and recreate the sound because it's so weird. Um, the uh, just the layers of this uh, was like the the layers of sounds and the different kind of random of noise I listened to it a couple of different times and I don't know what your perspective is on this because you listen to it on vinyl and I listen to it with headphones on my phone um but I felt like I had to re um like re-examine the song multiple times to kind of get everything and Mm -hmm. I think that that was done certainly by design um but I get why that might've been a little lost when it first came out because people were just like, I just want a love song. I want, wouldn't it be nice again? Like, yeah, for, yeah, absolutely. Um, it is, um, you play the piano that way you take the top off the piano and then basically it's just a big harp laying on its side. You can uh, pluck that with your, uh, Bobby pin, uh, as much as you want to there. Um, but yeah, I, this album really, and, you know, we'll kind of get into, you know, kind of the, the way that the album was constructed and kind of the legacy bits of it. It's it's something that requires work. Um, it's very similar to like the White Album um, in a lot of ways. Like if you just listen to the White Album one time and, you know, you're expecting, you know, Abbey Road, that's that's not what it is. It's it's very weird and strange. And there's a lot of odd ambient noises and stuff like that. And you're like, what what is this? There's like a 12 minute long track of just like this random noise. And <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you definitely have to kind of put some work into it. But the more you listen to it, the more kind of like. I don't know. It's like a it's like a flower, like just starting to blossom, right? As all these layers are kind of unfolding, and that's that's really what you get if you put the time into listening to it. Um, now, track number three, "That's Not Me," is a little bit more uh, kind of bare bones. It's a little bit more stripped down, uh, which kind of sounds unique and is you know kind of interesting on this album that is playing with so many uh, sounds and soundscapes and things. So uh, basically, "That's Not Me." When the album was being put together. Uh, the recording process of this was basically, you know, uh, Brian Wilson and the rest of the Beach Boys were going in, they were recording their vocals, and then they had studio musicians playing all the musical parts. The Beach Boys weren't playing their actual own instruments, um, except for on track three, that's not me. They were all playing their own parts, so that's kind of unique there. Uh, Mike Love takes the vocal lead here from Brian Wilson. There's a really very, very subtle uh, key change that happens towards the end of the song. You know, otherwise, this is pretty much just like a 60s pop ballad, uh, which is which is almost standard run-of-the-mill fare, except on an album that's so unique and different and cutting edge, like it makes the song more interesting than I think that it is. <laughs> yeah, no, completely agree. I, I thought this this one, again, I'm not a musical person, right? I mean, I love music, but I have no idea what I'm talking about with, with music theory. So I had to do some research on this song because I was like, I don't know what this means, but it's going like up in, in its entire tonation and then it's going down. And apparently that's a key modulation that I'm talking about, which this song has tons of, um, mm. as well as what they consider mood shifts, which I think is really interesting. I like the idea of the song where again, it's much more introspective. The lyrics are basically this guy saying, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm better with my lover or with my, in the life that I'm in now than pursuing a life where I'm alone. Um, uh, but I'm serving this kind of dream that I have. Uh, and I really like the the lyrics in that sense, because it's, it's kind of pondering and wandering. And so is the song. Um, but I, I really thought that the brave choices that they made in the way that it sounds with the these 
key modulations was really cool. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of uh, it's it's kind of hard. It, this is this is this is a working album. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. Where you're still um, you 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 have to really kind of take it in. This isn't something that I think uh, you're going to really appreciate just kind of listening to the background while you're doing dishes or something. This is definitely something to be experienced. Um, and it it really took me, what is this track number four? It took me this long to be like, all right, I, I, I give in, like I get it. <laughs> I'm going to sit, I'm going to quietly like absorb all of this music to really get it because the first couple of songs after wouldn't it be nice are so different it's like are you sure <laughs> you're, you're making these choices and i'm listening to this song these songs and they're not the same at all and they're so vastly different um mm-hmm. than what we yeah. were expecting from the quintessential beach boys of you know 1961 and 1963 so uh for me as like a non like a new listener to this that's what i was feeling for whatever that's worth yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and the sounds are very uh, strange and different coming through. It's kind of like like layering layering out all of these pieces here. We get into track number four, Don't Talk, Put Your Head on My Shoulder. Um, so the vocals here get like right on the edge of like going just like completely dissonant. Um, it's it's a beautiful kind of, I don't know, three or four part harmony that they're they're singing uh, there, but it, it's right on the edge of like going out of tune the whole time. Um, it really is kind of like, it's, a, it's almost like, you know, like white knuckle, like singing, like it's getting right up on the edge there. Um, there's like a classical string quartet that's laying uh, kind of this blanket of sound underneath of it, which sounds uh, really lovely. And then you have the vocals, of course. Um, this one here, uh, it's not my favorite song on the album, uh, really, uh, probably my least favorite, to be uh, quite honest. But um, I think there's kind of some neat imagery here in the way that the song was structured. You know, the song is, you know, don't talk, <laughs> put your head on my shoulders. So there's not, you know, so they're basically singing a song about uh, not talking, uh, which is which is kind of neat. But I um I really like there's a line in here and it says I can hear so much in your size. Um, so like like visually, it's it's almost like a I don't know. It's almost like like a thought <laughs> experiment here on this song. Yeah. No. And, and it sounds weird. I liken it. There's a, there's a, there was a parable and a verse in the Bible where one of the, um, I don't know, one of the 12 saints or I don't know, followers of Jesus would like put their head on Jesus's shoulder um, mm. in kind of this silent. And so I, at first, that's very much what I thought. Cause I was like, this is the sixties. Um, it, 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 this song is when it really clicked for me that, oh my gosh, we're entering this kind of, it's a pseudo psychedelic rock. Uh, I felt, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and it reminded me of like the Phil Spector's, uh, Beatles album stuff. This is when it really hit me, um, listening to this album. Right. So we're almost halfway through and I'm like, ah, I finally get it. Um, because it's, it's talking about this very small moment in, in between two people and, you definitely feel that they're lovers, but they don't have to be, but that you just know this, this, this wholesome, loving, like, I know so much about you. I, I know, I know what you need, you know, and we don't have to talk about it. There's this, just, uh, the, the feeling in the ether that sort of resonated with me. I, I agree. It's not my favorite, but, um, because, because I don't like to be told not to talk probably that, that, that would seemed a little, I don't and know. I took it's, that it, personally. Says I did. I certainly did. I was like, I will talk. But the um, being here with you feels so right. We could live forever tonight. Let's not think about tomorrow and don't talk. Put your head on my shoulder. I really love that. It's like uh, maybe this is 
people going off to war because of the way when it was written. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe this was, hey, this is forbidden love. Maybe this is, you know, we're, we've only got tonight. It's, it's, it's something that's never going to work or whatever, but just not having to say those things, but still having the, the hearts beat together and, and having that emotion uh, was really strong. So in, in, in that way, I thought the lyrics really hit me differently than some of the other songs for that reason. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, and that song, um, we both kind of just acknowledged that that wasn't our favorite song. Uh, track number five, I'm Waiting for the Day, is probably my favorite song of not the three obvious ones. Um, it's got like this kind of like like miniature, like big band uh, kind of feel to it, right? So there's like like timpani and flutes and uh, like this little like organ kind of intro. Um, and the song kind of goes like in and out of that. Like it'll be like this big, um, you know, kind of like bold sound and then it gets like super quiet and small sounding um and it kind of goes like back and forth between that and that and that um you get the line here i'm waiting for the day when you can love again which is nice there's like a string section that comes in and at that point you think that the song is over um because it kind of like completely drops out into silence but no there's like this crazy insane vocal harmony explosion that comes in you have like all six of the beach boys and like five thousand of their friends like singing this uh this harmony they're you know like bass and tenor and all these uh vocal ranges in here um it sounds amazing i really love the way that the song ends it's so great um the song itself predates the album by about two years brian wilson had written it in 1964 um as a solo composition and uh brian wilson will often talk about how pet San- sounds is a brian wilson uh, solo album but this is one of my favorites michaela yeah yeah it's 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 like i i don't know what i want to be when i grow up this song right because it starts in this big band very big intro and then it gets softer and then it gets big again. Um, you, I mean, I can't really say this, what Brian said. There we go. <laughs> Drink the music, whatever Brian said. But I mean, I think I, I really loved the the subject matter too, because how, how hard and aching is that for people who um, love somebody that is, that is uh, kind of brokenhearted or coming out of a, a tough relationship or just not in a place where they can meet them fully and maybe they know they want to. Um, again, this is very different than this, like, hey, surf's up, girls are cool, and <laughs> I like my car. And I like this is very, like, th- again, it's like number six in a long list of um, very introspective, kind of grown-up, um, complicated relationship songs. And I really loved that because it it's a very bold choice. Um, I don't know what it was like from a, you know, producer standpoint, um, not from a sound standpoint, because it's amazing, but also mm-hmm. uh, if they're talking, you know, at the, at the record studio and they're like, Hey, you want to do what you want to, you want to what <laughs> wait, but we're getting so much traction with the cars and the girls and the sand. Yeah. Right. And they're like, remember no, all I, that I really, money we've been making for the last 10 years. I want to, I want to continue to do that. And they're like, no, nah, I really want to write this, these songs about like, forbidden love or upset or like waiting for the day when when someone is finally in an emotionally available place for me to love them like mm-hmm. that's that's pretty adult that's pretty complicated and it's great i love this song i agree with you it's it's one of my favorite songs on the album um it's definitely my favorite that wasn't that i'd never heard before because <laughs> this did not make a single right and i yep. was i was like so taken aback it starts off very swing dancey and i love that and then it changes i mean it's um and it's very bold that it does that but it does it really well um mm-hmm. so yeah. that it, it really good just 
this is a, I don't know. I don't want to say this is the crowning achievement song, but I kind of feel like it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It seems like it was the, the culmination kind of of everything that was trying to be accomplished here. And I love that song a lot other than the three songs that, you know, and to get ready for one of those three songs, we're going to need a bit of a bit of a rest here, Michaela. So let's go in with track number six. Let's go away for a while. This is an instrumental song. It's the first of two instrumental songs we get on the album. And apparently this is one of Brian Wilson's favorite piece of music he's ever created. Um, it's a weird collection of pieces. There's like a slide guitar, I guess, that they're using like a Coke bottle uh, neck for a, a slide, which is something you see in a lot of like old like like blues and bluegrass music. Uh, that's where that sound is coming from. There's violins, there's saxophones, there's vibraphones, there's an oboe um, in here. And it's just like this little, it's like a little like respite almost, um, kind of like an intermission, um, kind of like a palate cleanser, right? If you go out for a fancy dinner um, and they're like, here's like a, a little cracker with a piece of caviar on there. You eat that and then it like completely like cleanses your palate and gets you ready for uh for listening to sloop john b uh one of the other songs you would have heard um from outside of this album yeah i really love let's go away for a while um i found myself re-listening to this song just because i feel like i didn't i would miss something um because of all of the extra all, just all of the in like the details right it's got you, you said it, it's got every instrument on the planet, but I really love the sound of it. I love that um, when I first listened to it, I was like, oh, this is totally chill. This is great. Um, this is obviously, you know, it's got some, it's not psychedelic, but I definitely was like, you could sit here after doing a gummy and be like, wow, this is amazing, right? Like, and then it was like, oh, what is he saying? Let's go away for a while. Cause it's an instrumental, there's no lyrics. And I'm very lyrics driven. So is this, is this, is he saying, let's go away and, and be off like a lover, like, like two lovers going and sitting on a beach or going and having an adventure? Is he talking to himself, like him and his heart, let's go away for a while because he's, he's, he just came off of, I'm waiting for the day. I mean, there were so many things that this brought and it's not a super long song. I think it's mm -hmm. like two and a half minutes long. Um, but I really love this. It's sort of tied uh, for me to be to be my favorite between waiting for the day and let's go away for a while. And I think they really um, they pair really nicely together because um, I, I, they they they're very different. But I really love kind of the the way that I'm waiting for the day ends and the way that let's go away for a while begins. It doesn't flow. It's not like you can't tell that there's a song change. But I just really love that the the choice that they made to pair these two together in the way that they did. Mm -hmm. It gets us ready for the next one, which is Sloop John B. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Track seven, Sloop John B. You've probably heard this one before. Uh, there's a slick little uh, bass line and kind of this little clicking noise that goes throughout the song. And apparently, maybe allegedly, the song is about an acid trip, uh, but it is, as the kids would say, a banger for sure. Um, I feel so broke up. Michaela, I want to go home. There's so much going on throughout the album, but there, there's like this little tuba that's kind of playing throughout this thing. And that might be my favorite like little little like addition to a song. I really like this little like tuba bop that's going on there. Um, and sorry, goes that the Capitol Records, uh, the record company, uh, wanted this song to be on the album because they knew that the song would be successful and fair play, I suppose, because it's one of the songs that you've heard um, off of this album, for sure. Uh, but it makes me wonder if Brian Wilson, you know, took this news of Capitol Records saying, hey, we have to put this song on there. And he says, OK, well, fine, I guess that I'm going to have to go uh, right. Let's go away for a while because people this isn't going to make any sense to just have Sloop John B just drop in here. So I need to get people like like ready to 
listen to it and yeah it's it's a good one it's it's a classic uh beach boys tune sloop jumpy it's uh it's a good one it is a good one um again i i wrote a lot of notes on like oh it sounds i love this this weird bass that it's got apparently it's got um double tracked basses uh, I don't, I don't even know uh, exactly what that is, but that's, that's the sound that it creates. Um, yep. <laughs> you're laughing at me. It's fine. It's fine. But that's what the sound is. Um, mm-hmm. And I really like um, the fact that, I mean, now they're just coming out and saying it, right. He changed the lyrics a little bit uh, from this is the worst trip since I've been born uh, to this is the worst trip I've ever been on. Uh, definitely uh, feels like it's a reference to acid trips. Uh, it was the sixties. Um, I think this is definitely a good example of when people say it was the sixties, that's what it was. Um, you know, I, I really think uh, this was a little lost on me though. I have to say, so I'd heard this song before for sure. And, but I didn't know it was on this album. Um, and I didn't know that this was one of the three only singles that came from this album. Um, so this, this was just a lesser known song to me that they had done. Um, I like it. Mm-hmm. It's a very, it's got that Caribbean folk kind of to it with the, uh, I don't know, with the, double tracked bases um however mm-hmm. we're saying yeah. that um mm-hmm. i i like this i didn't it's not i mean it's i i like it it's just not my favorite um and it it feels almost it's out of place and i well it's probably in the right place because it's at the end of a side right where and it makes sense if brian wilson's like yeah i'll give this to you but um it's it feels just very i don't know at like a like an out of place space i don't know if that makes sense to you or not brian or if that's what you got or when you were um, listening to it but i was i i love the song sleep jumpy i think that it's a great song but i do i do agree with you it does it does kind of feel out of place and that makes sense a lot of ways that the uh, record studio um would say that you have to put this on there um and brian wilson was probably you know okay with that because he was about to ask for a lot of money to put this uh, album together for sure so um let's uh, go ahead and take the album break michaela we have made it halfway through our album here so let's flip over the vinyl and talk about it a little bit so a newfound appreciation for marijuana some spiritual enlightenment and a desire to make the best album he could for himself brian wilson sets off to work on pet sounds uh so wilson uh says that he viewed kind of each of the songs on the album as its own kind of piece of work you know its own kind of kind of individual thing right not necessarily tying them together but each individual song was kind of its own individual thing but they would all fit together uh kind of like paintings would in a particular wing of a museum right everything is its own kind of kind of piece of music everything is its own kind of work of art but they would kind of play nicely together and the goal wasn't really to create a concept album or a lyrical concept album but more of a production concept album uh which you know, basically explains why there's like, I don't know, like 1300 instruments or so, you know, kind of used on this thing, right? Uh, This album uh, was heavily inspired by the Beatles' Rubber Soul album, which came out in 1965. Um, And about then is when the album begins to take shape. Uh, Every genre of music basically is accounted for uh, within the album. But Wilson said that his primary goal was to make an album that would stand up in 10 years time um, and, you know, mission accomplished, right? So, um, and definitely it would take that long because people, as you mentioned at the top, Michaela, we're not on board with this thing more surf and safari please what is this nonsense uh pet sounds does make it to number 10 on the billboard charts but it was the first album by the beach boys to not reach gold status since 1963 uh gold status is 500,000 copies here in the u.s if you were curious um in fact the uh that kind of 
reception to this was so dire that Capitol Records released a Greatest Hits album two months after this came out with all of those uh, surfing tunes on there to kind of kind of cover up the uh, the Pet Sounds stuff there. Uh, critics loved it. Thought it was great, but uh, no sales, no bueno, says the record studio. Uh, but the Beach Boys would eventually go on to get the last laugh. This is the number two album of all time, according to Rolling Stone. In every incarnation of that list, it is on the, uh, it's it's number one on a lot of lists, and it's top ten basically on every list of top music uh, of all time. If you look up a list of top albums, this is going to be on there, um, for sure. Um. It's uh, gone double platinum now at this point. It's uh, sold uh, well over 2 million copies. And a lot of people uh, will believe that the Beatles never get to make the album Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band um, if the Beach Boys don't make pet sounds. Um, so that's kind of neat there. Um, and, you know, on this album, there's there's a lot of songs you've never heard uh, before, Michaela. Same, same as me the first time that I'd ever heard. But there are some unquestionably great songs here, uh, no doubt. And uh, this album... Uh, it inspired a lot of like the alternative rock genre kind of going forward, psychedelic rock, um, alternative rock. And I think for me, um, and I think probably for people that are putting these lists together, the real magic of this album um, isn't necessarily these songs, but it's what you could accomplish like in the recording studio, if you put your mind to it, right? If, if you're a musician and you're like, I really want to have this crazy sound, you can do it now. Anything in your head was possible in the recording studio going forward. Yeah. And this was at a time when um, we didn't have, they didn't have <laughs> the technology that they do today. So I, I think that that is one of the reasons why it's uh, still so lauded um, over time, because they did this with very, what we would say now, like very basic things. They did it with instruments. They did it with, like you said, car horns. They had like recorded sounds of trains going they did down it with tracks. real actual things. They did it with real things. And it wasn't like this um, kind of white claw version of like, hey, uh, what if I created an explosion using AI or some chat GHP stuff, right? Um, this was all very um, uh, detailed work that had to be done going and finding specific sounds. Um, I, I remember, um, we can talk about this now, there's a movie um, that is called We Are Your Friends, where it's a, it's a guy who's trying to be a a DJ like a techno DJ and make his own mu techno music um, and, and put that together. Um, and one of the things that he talks about is pet sounds. And I, I didn't understand it at the time uh, because I watched that movie like five years ago. Um, but now I get it because, you know, they scored the earth uh, trying to figure out how to put together all of these things and all of these sounds to make this um, layered wall of music in kind of this, uh, some of the, with the Phil Spector style and all of that, um, mm -hmm. putting that together to create what we have. And so while it might not sound much like much to the untrained ear, it is a revelation. Um, and I, I, I think that that's why 60 some odd years later, we're still um, listening to it, not because, not just because some of the songs are very catchy and um, very reminiscent of kind of the Beach Boys of old, but also because they're brilliantly made and uh, being able to uh, take the chance and stay true to themselves. I mean, Brian Wilson had to, uh, that must have been really hard for him uh, when it wasn't doing well. It wasn't this giant commercial success, um, but uh, it stood the test of time, which is what he wanted. Uh, and it's now stood the test of time, you know, five times, five decades, six decades over. Mm -hmm. um, 
Yeah, for sure. And yeah, I mean, it's it's such a gamble to take. And now you think of of bands doing it, you know, a lot. Um, uh, you know, one of my particular favorite bands, Radiohead, every time an album comes out, it sounds completely tonally different than they'd ever sounded before. And, you know, that's this was kind of the first like instance of that. And, you know, certainly had, you know, the Beatles with, you know, Revolver and, um, you know, coming off of Rubber Soul and then into uh, that where they were, you know, kind of pushing the boundary and changing the the way things could be done but this was uh certainly like a um you know planting your uh flag in the in the ground sort of moment here for brian wilson and the beach boys for sure uh but all is not bad michaela because let's get back to the album track number eight god only knows uh this is listed as the number 25 uh greatest song of all time according to rolling stone but you know what i say to that michaela i said who cares? Who cares what Rolling Stone has to say? Because Sir Paul McCartney uh, says that it is the greatest song ever written. And uh, if the greatest songwriter of all time says that this is the greatest song ever written, I will defer to him, Rolling Stone. Uh, it's kind of a love song. Uh, it's all it's kind of morbid, almost, although in a little way, right? So there's some uh, Beach Boys melody here, uh, which is really good. So uh, so uh, the I, I, the line, Michaela, so what good would living uh, do me right. Uh, this 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 is a this is a sad song. It's a it's an upper and a downer all at the same time. Brian Wilson. Mm, uh, and it's very telling. I think that the opening line is "I may not always love you," because <laughs> you think it's a love. When I was a kid, uh, I thought this was like the quintessential love song. Like, what would I do without you? I love you so much. But at the beginning, I may not always love you, but as long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Not sure how I feel about that as an adult, but um, being so uh, feeling so lost without a person um, and having that person be like your one true North, the compass of your life, all of those things that, you know, they say in all the romantic stories and songs. Um, I mean, you can't, you can't get, you can't get any better than God only knows what I'd be without you. I mean, it's like, where <laughs> yeah. would I be? Who would I be? Or, what would I, I be? be? Maybe I would be I, completely fine, or maybe I would have to have to do off with myself. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that's 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 the that's the real question right there. Yeah, for sure. Um, this it's it's yeah. Obviously, I just mentioned it. You know, it's one of the greatest songs of all time. You've heard it in ten thousand pieces of you know media and commercials and movies and uh, video games, and it's it's basically all over the place. And yeah, it's this quintessential love song with a uh, with a thread of darkness to it, which I think is kind of something that I identify in a lot of the great love songs really sure oh yeah because i think real love has a darkness to it right especially if mm-hmm. it's going to be something that lasts um because it's everything's fine until it's not and time is the ultimate ruiner <laughs> of things right because even if everything goes great you get old they get old um life just kind of happens right i mean and so i i love that this uh, song kind of hits that head on about and and with just the over and over kind of chorus of God only knows what I'd be without you. It brings up so much to the listeners uh, mind and heart of their own experiences and wherever they are, um, you know, thinking about past relationships and and even if it didn't work, thinking about where would I be without that person that was in my life at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, but also this, uh, kind of codependency (laughs) of like, if you've made it to, to, to feed ducks when you're 80, uh, what did you give up to, to do that? And what, what would you be without this other person? And is that, you know, 
is that love? Is it codependence? I don't know. Um, it, it's not any less beautiful, but we see it a lot with people that have been together for so, so long. Um, they don't know how to exist necessarily without their, their other person. And that's both beautiful and also uh may, maybe very dark right very dark little little haunting that's right yeah track number eight god only knows but track number nine uh i know i know there's an answer so uh it uh, i know there's an answer it has kind of a strange like little like carnival uh feel bits in the piano section here and there's like a bass harmonica which is something i didn't know existed but uh sounds pretty cool it keeps kind of like coming in and it's kind of given a little bit of an anchor to that uh little like uh piano bit that's going on and there uh this one's basically a vocal duet uh throughout this thing which is really lovely sounding i like that and uh kind of keeps going like higher and higher in the register and it sounds like brian wilson's like almost ready to like uh have his voice crack like it gets up pretty high there but he manages to uh keep it together um kind of through those uh chorus bits you know the i know there's an answer uh section so i like that kind of this uh this vocal strain and it definitely kind of brings the tone back down from you know just this uh this massive massive hit well i don't i don't even know how massive it was at the time but you know this massive song we think about now and god only knows it, it definitely brings brings the uh the vibe back down a little bit here yeah yeah i love that it was originally titled hang on to your ego <laughs> um and it you know kind of goes through someone who's uh who knows how to, how people can live better uh but is it doesn't necessarily want to tell them uh, or is struggling with how to tell somebody. Um, it's also got uh, apparently this this created a, a big controversy because it like full out references drug culture. Um, and uh, uh, I guess uh, Wilson was introduced to LSD and, and um they said that Brian, when Brian Wilson was introduced, he had the full on ego death. It was a beautiful mm -hmm. thing. I'm not mm -hmm. sure what mm -hmm. ego death is because I've never done LSD, but, um, but that sounds kind of interesting having the death of your ego, ego, ego gets a bad rep. Maybe, maybe you do need it in order to be a healthy human being. I don't know, but that sounds kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps you in track for sure. Uh, let's see. We get into uh, track number 10 here today. Um, this one is a pretty interesting sounding uh, song, right? It starts off, you know, kind of kind of par for the course, kind of this weird um, little intro here. But after the first verse ends, um, you hear like this, uh, this weird kind of like dueling bass line. So it's being played on like a bass guitar and like a brass um, instrument section that's playing kind of this other like... Um, like mirroring like parallel baseline um it gives it kind of a kind of a joyous feeling uh here throughout the song and then at the end i really like there's like this other uh like bass guitar that comes in and it's like this the super fast like little like thumping uh kind of baseline it sounds a lot like uh, eye of the tiger uh, if you're familiar with that song <laughs> i like that a lot um then there's kind of this little like organ bit uh that at the very tail end and it sounds pretty haunting there and uh that's kind of like the theme of this right is it's it's kind of like a like a joyous thing right so like being here today but then you know by the end of it you know the the lyrics go love is here today and it's gone um so yeah it takes kind of this little bit of a haunting twist at the end yeah no i definitely think that this um i i thought it was an organ i put it in there uh because it has that kind of uh i don't know it sounded like a, like a church organ to me mm -hmm. yeah. um but i think uh, this one again, it's more introspection. It's more of this kind of uh, it's it's not all sunshine rainbows. And I, I, I again, it was a deep dive for me. I again thought that this was right on the back end of I know there's an answer. This idea that um, 
you know, love is, this isn't going to last. We know it's not going to last. He's talking about how he needs to slow down, um, but he just can't um, because love is here today. We've got to pick it. We've got to pluck it from the tree. We've got to eat it because tomorrow it's going to be rotten and bad and um, very, the, the kind of, I don't know, the lyrics were very visually um, awakening for me. Um, it makes you feel mm -hmm. so bad. It makes your heart feel sad. It makes your days go wrong. It makes your nights so long. You've got to keep in mind love is here today and it's gone. Tomorrow it's here and gone so fast. So like, uh, I don't know. I, I really love the lyrics in this. This is one of my favorite songs from a lyrics perspective. Um, mm -hmm. for, for that reason, I just thought that the the visualizations of of kind of waiting, but then not not being able to help yourself. And then knowing that you're going to grab it and it's probably going to be rotten tomorrow. <laughs> and this yeah. kind of foreboding darkness that kind of shows up in the next yeah. song, maybe. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's kind of like a like an antithesis of like seize the day, right? You're not, you're not necessarily seizing the day. The day is just kind of there upon you and then and then it's gone, right? Um, get into track number 11, um, as you mentioned there. It, I just wasn't made for these times. Uh, this is probably the most introspective look we get at Brian Wilson here. Um, I just wasn't made for these times. It's it's a song about, you know, kind of being uh, disenfranchised, um, you know, kind of battling with your like self-imposed genius, um, which Brian Wilson, I think, certainly, certainly was. And, you know, certainly, you know, portrays as kind of the self-imposed genius and someone that was, you know, well ahead of your time. And ultimately, I guess that's what this album really is right and in most ways it's something that's that's being ahead of your time um basically every weird instrument that was at the recording studio that day is used here there's like a harpsichord there's attack piano there's flutes temple blocks timpani banjo harmonica um and electro theremin uh which i guess was played by the inventor of the electro theremin which is a weird like electronic little like noise making uh kind of thing it just uh plays like in like feedback loops and stuff like that uh it's kind of interesting um and then, you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit kind of about the, you know, kind of the legacy uh, piece of this here as we as we wrap up a little bit and kind of the inspirations that it had, um, you know, including including the uh, the later Beatles work. But this this to me feels like if if you had to distill what Pet Sounds was into like one song or one track, this kind of is it right as to this. This is what you can do uh, with music, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think the symbolism around this, I mean, we get on the surface with all of the other songs, it's like, well, I, I don't think I'm ready to be in a relationship. I wasn't made for these times. Maybe I don't, I, I, I whenever I I'm try to find somebody to spend my life with something happens, I end up leaving them behind. But I think it was much broader than that. Um, mm -hmm. As you say, for, for Brian Wilson, right. It's very much like, Hey, this, um, this group of these group of people, this band and all of these instrumentalists came together to create this thing that was that they think is maybe nuts. Um, but, uh, you know, far beyond uh, Brian Wilson was far beyond kind of the times and thinking about, hey, we could do this. We can we can push that envelope, as it were. Um, and how much how lonely that can feel. Right. Because he's in the lyrics. Sometimes I feel very sad. Ain't found the right thing I can put my heart and soul into. Right. Because. Um, and coming on the back end of, uh, of the last song, right. Th being like, I just wasn't, um, you know, it's here today. I'm going to, I'm going to grab it now because inevitably this person or this thing that's giving me joy, this love that I feel is going to change because I'm not made to, to, to ultimately 
have that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, Brian, if you, if you've ever felt that way, this song really resonated for me because there are many times where I feel like I'm this um, so emotional and it's so much for people. Mm-hmm. And so, um, this isn't my favorite song on the album because it's just so sad <laughs> to me. Um, but it definitely, I think is like this, um, this cacophony of like, uh, uh, how you feel if you feel just like you are completely out of place and you're out of place in, um, you know, with work or relationships or your, your, you know, your romantic endeavors, um, just feeling like the, the the world is kind of lost on you or you are lost on the world and how Mm -hmm. like lonely, um, that, that can be. And really, like you said, the most introspective song of all time, this is kind of, um, I would say the bottom of the barrel, but the, the sound, it doesn't sound like, uh, like he's in this hole because <laughs> there's so many instruments and, um, but it's still, and I don't know, maybe there's symbolism there where everything seems okay, but it's definitely not okay. I I, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. I've, I've had to listen to this one multiple times, um, to try and soak up all of that meaning out of it. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, we've talked about, you know, through the course of uh, various movies and things that, um, you know, being a a genius person probably is lonely on a lot of aspects, right? Because who do you talk about these genius level things with? Because, you know, you're one of a handful of, of things like that on earth. And certainly I am by no means a genius on the level of Brian Wilson or a musician on the level of the rest of the Beach Boys. But, but we all kind of have you know, those instances, Michaela, you know, some of us might have something a little bit more specific in mind, but I know, um, you know, we talk, we talk a lot about movies. We've been talking a lot about these albums and things. And I know there are certainly times when I will, you know, listen to something or hear something or, or see something on screen, um, or read something. And like, you know, kind of like deep down in your heart, like, you know, that (laughs) I'm hearing this and interpreting this in a way that, no one else is and i'm never going to be able to like talk about it with someone right like on like on that level like no one is ever going to understand this in the way that i do um and that's kind of like a like a small dose of that so you know imagine you know you're brian wilson and and you go to these other you know five or six members of the beach boys and say hey um i i wrote this album and i want to do it and you know they're all i i would imagine they're all looking at it like what even is that what is this <laughs> what is, what is this have you heard our our songs this this isn't us what what is this and and you know just having like that that genius level and then you know to that end it's about having you know this band of people that that you can trust and you know trust you and things and are you know, willing and able to come together and do it because, you know, the Beach Boys, by all accounts, I suppose, could have been like, now, why don't you just you go off and do that? You know, you wanted to do your solo stuff now anyways, but you you go do that. We'll keep the Beach Boys as is um, and and go from there. So the amount of like, like trust, you know, amongst those people, even even like the the record executives that let this uh, go on uh, in the first place, because it was a very expensive album to put together, I think, in uh, current dollars, it costs, for, you know, roughly like $600,000, which is a lot for recording a session, uh, for sure, especially, especially nowadays, when everything's being done, you know, digitally and electronically, and all your money's coming on the back end for the 15,000 songwriters that are coming in to uh, produce your album. So yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of neat. And like I said, it's kind of like distilled into like this mission statement, I think of what the album 
was trying to accomplish here. Um, and speaking of the album, uh, Michaela, track number 12 is Pet Sounds, the self-titled album here, uh, or the self-titled uh, track here. This one was originally called Run, James, Run. And uh, that's probably because uh, they'd originally meant it for to be some sort of like James Bond uh, theme. Um, it's another instrumental piece here, but it's much longer than the first um, instrumental piece. The first one's kind of like this palette cleanser, but this one is more of like a, I don't know, like a like a musical composition, like a stage musical kind of thing where it's running through these different themes uh, here, you know, probably meant to be some sort of... Uh, you know, soundtrack to a James Bond theme there. There's a yeah. kind of neat like lo-fi guitar um, and the percussion section here. It's got like, um, uh, what do you call those things? Those things that uh, Matthew McConaughey plays um, all the time. Uh, bongos. It's got like the bongos, bongos there. So so it has uh, kind of a more uh, like uh, like beachy feeling, I guess, kind of in that section. Yeah. No, I, that makes so much sense. I didn't realize uh, that this this might might have been a used in a James Bond movie but that makes so much sense now because there's there's like definitely times where you're thinking he's someone's driving fast I visualize someone running um but also like I don't know like the tension like like we're we're having to we're having to I don't know disarm a bomb or figure out a code break um but uh, but definitely in like a, like a like a beachy location maybe where this is happening um they should have used this for the Halle Berry coming out of the ocean. That would have been mm-hmm. that would have been good. That would have been that'd good. Been, that would have been good. That would have been good. Um, and that gets us to our last track here, Michaela. Track number thirteen, Caroline. No, um, originally kind of titled Caroline. I know, um, but changed to Caroline. No, here, uh, which is a really really pretty song. I think um, the closing song. It, it's pretty solemn. Um, in an album that more or less, um, you know, there's some there's some variations here, but more or less, it's kind of looking. Um, at a relationship and the perspective of it, you know, not working out for some reason or another, not necessarily like the relationship falling apart. Um, it's just not working out uh, kind of here on the, the album. And that's what this song is about, too. But this song is, I think, decidedly sadder sounding uh, than those. Um, even in like uh, God Only Knows, where, you know, the song is kind of, you know, asking if if I'll be OK if you leave, if it's worth living if you leave or I'll be fine if you leave. That song is at least, you know, pretty upbeat and it gives your soul some optimism um in the song here uh but caroline no is 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 very much more sadder and much more downtrodden uh brian wilson's vocals here are amazing i think he's uh, jumping octaves you know kind of up and down throughout this thing which is which is really hard to do um especially in 1960s where there's no auto-tune to help with that so you gotta you gotta be like pitch perfect on that stuff it sounds amazing um and i really like the lyrics here it's so sad to watch a sweet thing die oh caroline why um, and then the song kind of ends. There's like a train that comes through and a dog barking, uh, which is Brian Wilson's dog uh, there to just kind of, I don't know, kind of hammer the the point home that this was really just meant to kind of push the boundaries, I think, of of what you're attempting to do uh, with a song and the way that you'd want to close it out. I couldn't really find any reasoning why the, the train comes in, but I think it's just meant to be kind of a, a closing kind of kind of point, right? Like you, you cross the tracks uh, sort of sort of thing maybe so huh. well the first time i heard this i totally thought that uh caroline had decided to step in front of the train and so oh. that's what i thought and the dog was barking because it was upset <laughs> so that's to- and then i was like oh my gosh did i just hear that so i had to go re-listen to it um and i think i i i've since changed my mind on that but i do feel the symbolism of um you know the train is leaving the track the train is leaving the station it's now fully on its way 
mm-hmm. you know, the the fact that uh, I think you're right. I don't think something happened uh, where they, you know, the, the relationship broke down. I think it's more of, again, a coming of age, right? And you start, we started this album with, wouldn't it be nice when we were older? And we 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 wouldn't have to wait so long to find this world where we belong. Well, I think in getting older, they kind of grew up and Caroline got on a train uh, and and left. That's, that's the, uh, definitely where my mind went. Um, mm-hmm. And it's very sad when when you grow up and you grow apart and grow out. Um, but it is kind of the way of things. It it you know very few people uh, can find themselves completely in love with the same person that they were in love with when they were quite young. Um, sometimes you know that comes back. It come and and so maybe that's what some of these songs are about. Is 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 that? But I that's where I went with the train. Um, but the dog barking, I was like, why? Okay, so if we're if we're on the train, if the train's left the station or whatever, and I I, I just thought that that was another example of pushing the boundaries. It's like, hey, we got a car horn, we got a train, let's get a dog in here. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I brought my dog to you the know? studio today. Let's, uh, let's well, get the dog a credit on the album. And I mean, it, fair, it, if I had my dog in the recording studio, I for sure would get her a singing credit um, on the absolutely. album. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I wonder if when Brian Wilson hears this, he thinks of his dog, right, too. Mm -hmm. And it's something that will uh, kind of enshrine that forever. Like, you know, we talk about um, hearing, um, you know, with the the New Beatles uh, song that came out just last week, right? Um, mm-hmm. Being able to hear these people's voices again, and and maybe that was something that is a, is an added bonus to this um, yeah. as well. I don't I don't know. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, you you bring up some uh, some very good points there, and, and kind of in this song, and and then the album as a whole. We can talk about that here just for a for a second, um, Michaela. You know, the album as a whole, and I I'd mention it there. You know, it's it's kind of talking about this relationship, but it's almost even like more than that. It's it's a point where you get to. Um, and I think obviously, you know, Brian Wilson is at this point, and I think most of us really, we kind of get to that point in our mid twenties, and you know, you kind of have a couple of times in your life where you have to decide like what kind of person you're going to be, and what kind of things you're going to do, and where you're going to live, and who you're going to you know spend your time with, and you know, kind of your mid twenties is one of those uh, times as well. And this, to me, musically, is is kind of like that. It's looking at you know what's next and where do I want to go right? What do you want to do uh, with your music? What do you want to do with your relationships and stuff like that? And I think it's kind of an examination of that, um, as well as um, just this big, you know, audible kind of soundscape that you're able to to create. Um, I mentioned that the, the recording sessions for this were very expensive, which is part of the reason why it you know, kind of, kind of faltered so hard, you know, it got to number 10 on the billboard charts, but, but that's a lot of money to recoup. Uh, for for the band for these uh, you know record studios who are used to the Beach Boys you know you know twice a year just putting out an album that's going to sell a million copies and you know make right. all the money and things you know obviously this wasn't uh, you're not going to go on tour uh, and perform pet sounds right especially not then you might now uh, but you only might now because of this right I mean definitely I think this was an example of taking a chance and having it be the long game and pay off from a long, from a long time term perspective, rather than this short lived, like I want money now. Um, And we've seen that with a lot of other artists, right? Um, 
we've covered that with Lady Gaga. We've covered that with um, the Beatles. We, I mean, there's so many other artists that have had a moment in their career um, uh, where, you know, you too. I mean, most of the albums that we've covered in the last 15 weeks um, have had, you know, uh, have either been examples of, hey, I want to go in a different direction or uh, were an artist that had had that want and a uh, they took the chance and sometimes it was spectacular and sometimes it was a spectacular failure. Um, but being able to kind of respect that artistry and take that chance uh, almost always pays off in some way, um, whether it's 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 in the dollars that they make, which is a, a, their number one, you know, record labels, number one kind of goal. Uh, that's great. But more importantly, is, is it really ex explores this thing that we call music, right? And all of the things mm -hmm. that 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 makes up for every listener on the planet. And it's um, really special. And you're right, we we if we hadn't, if we didn't have pet sounds, we probably wouldn't have uh, hundreds of albums that we listen to now and it's not because it sounds similar but because of the work that was done and the chances that were taken and and you know all of that um the, the deeper reasoning behind creating this and putting it out there um, that brought that that then came full circle to to what we have now in our musical kind of i don't know portfolio of all things that are music mm -hmm. yeah absolutely uh well said michaela very well said um and yeah, I don't know what else we can say about it. If you do any research on Pet Sounds, there's a, a ton of information out about the album, about how it was put together, kind of the lasting legacy of it and and all the people. Like if you if you picked, I don't know, a hundred random artists off of you know uh, Apple's top one hundred artists, they're all going to attribute uh, some sort of inspiration back to Brian Wilson, back to this album, back to the Beach Boys, um, in some sense or another, and um, you know, just take a, a lot of inspiration and um what you're able to do creatively here in this album. Is it the second greatest album of all time? There's no way to really quantify or qualify that. Um, so I don't, I don't know on my own personal list. I don't know. It's, it's probably not my second favorite album of all time, but I certainly understand, you know, kind of the, the legacy piece of this and why it's so important. And, you know, if it gives us Paul McCartney's favorite song or best song of all time, then I, I can't argue with that. I'm, I'm right. Not, I mean, I'm not. I'm no Sir Paul McCartney. Uh, I'm just Brian from Drink the Music. But I can do, Michaela. What I can do is I can throw some Campari into that punch out there, uh, and that's what we're going to be doing. So we're going to be uh, whipping up another uh, bowl of Beach Boy punch. So let us know out there if you mix up one of those. Send us your pictures, all that stuff, and let us know what you think about Pet Sounds, Michaela. What did you think about Pet Sounds now that you've uh, had a chance to listen to it? You've heard you've heard that one song from Love Actually about. 10,000 times, I'm sure, but I don't know about these other songs. What do you think about it as a whole of the legacy of it? Um, and just kind of your general thoughts, I guess, about it before we wrap up. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I think this album is really amazing. I, I have to say the first time I listened to it all the way through, I was like, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't I don't quite understand. Um, but I knew that obviously that's just because I was listening to it with my Michaela ears. Um, and I don't know music, right. As well as a lot of other people. Um, and, and maybe that's a good thing, right? Maybe it's good that I, that I had that experience that a lot of people probably had in 1966, 67, when, when they were listening to this for the first time. Um, so I, I listened to it again and then I listened to it again and then I listened to it again. This is probably the album that I listened to the most, um, in the last week or so, um, 
uh, to prepare it for the sake of preparing for the podcast, because, uh, there might be times where I'm like, Oh, I don't know this. And, but I can at least wrap my head around it. It, this took me a good mm, three or four listens before I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> I, I, I hear this. I, I, I understand it. I have an appreciation for it. And now, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of a part of me, which is super cool. Um, because you're right, I, I definitely heard uh, two of the three songs that that were out a lot. Um, Wouldn't it be nice? And God only knows. Uh, uh, definitely heard those, but all of the others now have have found their way in inside me. And that's that's the beauty about music in general is that if you don't know something and you're willing to take a chance, just like the record label and the rest of the band was willing to take a chance, it can help expand your paradigm. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we love films that are really hard to watch that challenge our ideas. Um, this definitely challenged my musical ideas of what makes uh, good beach music. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this because it wasn't beach music at all, but like, you know, and not knowing anything about it, being really educated and expanded in that way. And, um, and so Brian, thank you for having the, uh, the wherewithal to have this album in the first place, because if you didn't, I would still, uh, this a whole universe I would not have known about and experienced. So that's, that's what I have to say about pet sounds. I think if somebody our age or, or younger than us, that's listening to the old people talk about this 60 year old album, uh, go listen to it, but you're going to listen, you're going to need to give it a couple of listens to really experience it. Unless you're just like an immediate musical genius like Brian <laughs> and that, and then, <laughs> and then I'm sorry, I'm wrong. And I'm, I'm glad you love it because it's worth your time for sure. Well, I don't know if I would go that far, but I would say there are some geniuses uh, in our inner circle, Michaela, and that is our patrons who voted for this album um, in the first place. So thank you so much to our Patreon patrons. Uh, uh, it's been an awesome time covering music uh, with you all voting on these albums and chatting about music. You can go to patreon.com slash drink the movies if you want to get some more behind the scenes stuff, get in on future votes. Uh, we're still going to have music coming uh, both on the main feed and on uh, Patreon, some bonus stuff uh, there. So make sure you look that up. Uh, look that up if you want to support the podcast that's a great way to do it and um, one of the one of the great things about this I'm going to close with this uh, Michaela is now that you have listened to this um, going forward when you hear an album um, specifically some changes and the one I'm specifically thinking of is something we covered here um, on Drink the Music and that is Beck's Morning Phase think about that in light of listening to uh, Pet Sounds uh, by Beach Boys and you hear these hear these things and um, then you can you can tie all these things back all roads go back to Beach Boys 1966 Pet Sounds so uh, give that a give that a listen let us know at home if you have uh, listened to Pet Sounds if you like these songs if you love uh, God Only Knows if you love uh, you know Surf and Safari what your favorite Beach Boys song is. If you have a good Beach Boys cocktail, let us know that. Send us pictures, do all that stuff. You can do it on our social media. It's at Drink the Movies on Instagram and X and Threads and Blue Sky and Facebook.com slash Drink the Movies. Uh, go to our website, www.drinkthemovies.com. That's where you can find written recipes, episode recaps, uh, links to the Drink the Video Games YouTube uh, we got going on over there. All that stuff, you can find that on the website. So go do that. Um, and if you are liking the podcast and you want to make sure you're following along for more music fun coming your way, if you want to be on board when we get back to movies uh, starting next week you're going to want to do that because back to movies it's barbenheimer time michaela finally getting back to that uh, it's it's ready to go we've been sitting on it for for too long ready to get that out into the world so if they want to make sure that they get that all that stuff where can they do that you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, iHeartRadio, anywhere where Spotify podcasts are 
supported and distributed. Um, whatever you're listening to now, there is a like button. I suggest you do that. But I also uh, really hope that you press the subscribe button. We've got a lot of content coming out uh, that we've been sitting on uh, because of the SAG actor strike. So we're really excited to bring that out. If you're interested in more Drink the, the Movies, um, now's the time. Don't miss it. You're going to want to make sure you're subscribed so you get all the goodies. Um, and if you're really liking what you're hearing, whether it's Drink the Movies, Drink the Music, uh, all of that, our lobby bars, um, leave us a five-star review because that really helps us get the drink drink the movies and music stuff out there and build the community. Um, we're just really excited about uh, everybody joining us in our love of, of our, those art forms and cocktails. Um, so do that if you wouldn't mind. That'd be amazing. That's right. That would be amazing. And speaking of amazing, that was Beach Boys Pet Sounds. So let's go ahead and wrap this one up, Michaela. It's been a pleasure talking about albums here for these last 15 volumes, and there'll be more music to come and more movies to come. So thank you so much for joining us. And we'll talk to everyone next time on Drink, Drink the, the music. music. God only Wouldn't knows what nice I'd be <laughs> without you. God only knows what I'd be without you, Michaela, for sure. Oh. Mm. Yeah. <laughs>